Welcome, welcome back to another special episode of In the Zone with Jeremy and Jose. I'm your host, Jeremy Dove. I'm here with a very, very special guest, a first-timer, a man who I met back when we were young cats at Temple University. Now we work together, and someone I have deep, deep respect for all his knowledge, but Definitely, definitely his film knowledge. So let's give it up for Mr. Steve Callahan. Steve, how's it going? Uh, thank you, thank you. That was a beautiful introduction. Things are going good. I was just uh, binge-watching Sons of Anarchy over again, and then I realized I left my AirPods in my car. So I had, gotcha. to, run, kind of had to run downstairs. So, so I apologize for the little delay. But, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just glad. We've been talking about this, I feel like, since, like, August last summer? of last year, yeah. Like we're going on like a year. We we you know, we even thought about doing a podcast together, and you know schedules kind of were were wacky and wonky. So I'm just glad that we're able to finally meet up and do it. So it's awesome, man. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. I, it, it sucked every other time that we were going to do it. Things just didn't line up right, or my schedule changed, your schedule changed. And I'm glad that this finally worked out. Like, and naturally as it could have, too, because that's always when, you know, you get the best product. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to be breaking down movies, but in specifically, we're looking at maybe, in my opinion, the greatest director of all time, Martin Scorsese. And we're, we're going to give our list of his top five, what, are, what we think are his top five films. Now, Steve, I want to ask you, because you're the one who suggested this, what led you to kind of to bring this up as a topic for the show. Because what is talking about movies without talking about the goat himself, Martin <laughs> Scorsese? You have to, in my opinion, as being that like I went to film school with an affinity for, for loving directors like Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino, and like some of the more straight, you know, I'm a big art house guy. So like some of your art house horror, like your like your Darren Aronofsky's, your Lars von Trier's. I'm sorry, it's my son in the background asking for his Bible. <laughs> um, um, so I mean, how? Why not start right at the top of the food chain? You know, I get, get right to the good stuff. I agree. I agree. There's um, there's a lot of great directors, and we you know we can do episodes on other people. You know. Um, I think we have even said maybe like Tarantino. I think you could do a Spielberg episode. You could do a, a lot of, but there's none better to me. And kind of the variety I like too, the range than what a Martin Scorsese. Cause you got those known movies that like everyone's seen, everyone can quote a million times. But like you just said, you have those art house films that probably either people never saw and never heard of, or don't think that it's a Martin Scorsese film. And also, which, like, I promise you I'm going to get into this in my list because you know me. Uh, like, don't, don't see the impact of that film. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, obviously I'm talking about one in particular, but, uh, you know, we'll get into that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I kind of just look at it as it's a, it's a crime that it took so long, you know, for him to win the best director. I think that's maybe one of the biggest crimes. There's a lot of crimes for Oscar history. Um, you know, Al Pacino finally winning, you know, for Sin of a Woman, which to me doesn't even crack one of his better. It was a good performance, but he wins after all these years for that. But this is up there, too. Yeah. Um, 
I, I agree. Like the Oscars, like if you have any film knowledge, you do not base your opinion off the Oscars. No. <laughs> so, um, like I just, it's almost expected. Like sometimes I can almost credit somebody more if the Oscars is, is, you know, kind of just like, just ignoring them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, there's there's so many instances of in history, like whether it's Scorsese or it's Pacino or it's Leonardo DiCaprio. You know right. what I mean? Like they gave it to him for The Revenant when he should have won it five times before that. Yeah. And, like, and he, these are iconic people who are the best at, whether it's directing or acting of their generation and and getting snubbed. It's It's really bizarre. Right. And like, I do, I believe, I believe that Martin Scorsese should have won it for The Departed. I think it was a great film for him to win it for. Usually I feel like when the Oscars do finally stop snubbing somebody, it, they give it to a film that's not necessarily like the best film of the year. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, like Leonardo winning it for The Revenant when he really should have won it for The Departed or Catch Me If You Can, you know, or any other film he did before that. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. it's 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 almost like uh like they're giving out like uh for a best actor or best director. It's like they're doing like a lifetime achievement award. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. And like sometimes like it it seems like I lose faith in the Oscars and then like every once in a while they hit like with Parasite. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I I was I was so surprised when Parasite won. Like, couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe that Joker didn't take it. Which, like, I know, I, you know, we've talked about this, that right. I didn't think Joker should have won. I thought Ford, Ford versus Ferrari should have won. But I, and, and if you remember the conversation, I said, I wouldn't be mad if Parasite won. Because, you know what I mean? And I love, like, what's, what's more up my alley than Korean art house horror? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's literally exactly what I'm into. But, um, so... You know, I wish it would just change. I wish they would just get rid of the entire academy and just start over with new yeah. people voting. I um I heard Bill Simmons say this one time that it's almost like, you know, he gave ten years. I think that's a good time, but maybe like after every ten years, you look back at an Oscar year and see like, all right, now what really is the best film? What really, like you said, made an impact? And it's a movie that people remember. Because so many times, you know, people don't even remember what movie won Best Picture. You know, like, they, they, but, but they'll remember movies from that year, but they're not Best Picture winners or sometimes not even Best Picture nominated. So, it, like, you know, you really said it. It's, it's, it's a joke, honestly. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, it's a shame, like, some of these actors that, like, you know – more or less pour their heart and soul into something and something gets the Oscar because it's a hot topic. Absolutely. Which they're Ab- notorious for doing that. They are. They are. So, I mean, we, we, we usually do, and I, I can't wait. It's the first of hopefully many that we can get into on, on film and other stuff. But I, I wanted to, you know, since this is, you are a guest, as I like to say in the house that, you know, Jose and I built, I figure we'll go five to one, and I will let the guests go first. What's your number five film for your, for the, your opinion, best Martin Scorsese movies? So let me pull my list up. Not that I don't know it, but I have notes in my list. Um, it, uh, my number five is The Last Temptation of Christ. Okay. 
I knew that was going to be on your list too. <laughs> I, I knew I managed. I got it out of the way. <laughs> but but you know, like the thought process behind that is like one, like it, it, you know, it's an art house through and through. Like you know what I mean? Like from like the way it's shot, the way like it's like the cinematography's done in the movie to like picking William Defoe as the lead man, and you know, and just like down to the budget and the fact that like it's kind of like his cult classic in a sense because it bombed you know and and like outside of the actual cinematography and the acting and all that like the the waves and the impacts that it caused it like it caused terrorist attacks you know like there was a a movie theater and uh the country is escaping me they blew the movie theater up yeah if you do you remember what i'm talking about i I know i forget the country but i know what you're talking about yeah i i want to say it was somewhere in spain that, that, I like, think so. I think it was in Madrid, if, if if I remember correctly, but I could totally be lying and be wrong. But yeah, like just, you know, like the culture impact, like I'm trying to weigh on more than my biases. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I think it would be a travesty of justice for that not to be on the list as far as like with the impact, you know. But then again, like my list is going to be missing certain things that like I just don't feel like should have made it, you know. Okay. Um, so that's, that's my number five. Um, I'm I like a, it. Well, so let, let's hear your number five. I, I'm going to go my number five, which is the movie that a lot of times I think he had movies before this, but that really, when I think of the start of his career and what I jump out to it's, it's mean streets. Yeah. I, I, I figured I didn't have it on my list. But I totally one knew it was going to be on yours. And, <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. I I feel like that and King of Comedy are like the first two that are like really start to shape his career and what he's going to do. In my opinion, I mean, there's really yeah. I I think uh, I feel I agree with Mean Streets, but I'm surprised you said King of Comedy, which I barely. That's probably like my number six. Uh, King so, of Comedy. So is that your but, that's your honorable mention? That's my honorable mention. See, so it was I, I down to those two. two. Yeah, down to those two for the fifth spot. I went with Mean Streets because I really love seeing young De Niro, young Harvey Keitel. Yes, and that great story. I mean, no one. It's it's a great contrast. I think who there's two directors who really depict a city well to me. That Scorsese and Woody Allen. But they're so different. Woody Allen, they both get New York, but Woody Allen's New York is like that elegant, beautiful, where you, you know, if you're a tourist, you want to hit those spots up, right? Yeah. Like that's the beautiful New York. You're- and Scorsese hits the grungy, dirty, like, you know, people having to scrap and survive. He hits that New York perfectly. Yeah. What, like, I always thought is like from a Woody Allen perspective, he hits like, affluence you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and like the, the the top one percent he does it very well and then when right. it comes to scorsese he does that hell's kitchen boxing in the back room of a restaurant and cutting books and taking falls and fights very well you know what i mean and and, and that's to me what this does it gets that that these are guys trying to get you know they're on the like the fringe of the mob they're not they're just two-bit kind of hustlers trying to work their way up, you know, 
De Niro plays that crazy loose cannon, Johnny Boy. You're trying to make it. And I think that this movie for me, Steve, yeah. is the first time I can, you can, to me, you can feel like that, which I love, that sweat, the grunge. It just feels like hot, dirty. They're just trying to scrap and survive. And I love seeing who I think, we know De Niro's an icon, but Harvey Keitel's a great actor. And I feel as if we have like an underrated list, he's very underrated. Yeah. And to see these two guys young and in their prime and bouncing off of each other. And he, to me, just kind of getting that they're trying to make it and they're trying to just survive and get up to that whole, yep. you know, yeah. And top of the top of the food chain when it comes to the mob and it's just violent and you have the guilt. You also have the religious themes as well. And, and it's just, you know, De Niro plays it where he's just as great where he, he's ready to explode at any time. And I thought Main Streets for me is number five because when I think of the start of like a Scorsese catalog, it's not his first film, but when I talk to people, I start at Main Streets. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I would have to say like on my list, Main Streets was seven. Okay. Um, it was not my honorable mention, which I did write down my honorable mention. So I, you know, I'll get into that probably at the end, but um, right. But yeah, I could totally see it, and like I couldn't agree with you more that it's it. Harvey Keitel might be one of like if he's definitely top three most underrated. I, yeah, I think him, Giovanna Ribisi, like I think they're up there. I, like I, I there's the names are escaping me obviously right now because like I'm on the spot, but um, yeah. But Harvey Keitel, when I think of underrated actors, because like think of the iconic roles that he's done. That nobody else could have done. Like nobody else could have been Winston Wolf, in my opinion. No. Um, and he's so memorable in the screen time. That's why I think of great acting. Your screen time is so little, but you're just unforgettable. Yeah, it's he. Like, yeah, he has totally nailed the um, quality over quantity. You know what I absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Like he absolutely. He, you know what I mean. Most films that he's in, he's very uh, short dialogue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He he doesn't say much, but like he means what he says, and like it just seems like he has like that general like patent type of vibe. You know what I mean? Like he just takes, right. he takes command immediately. Everything he's in, like, and I like that. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of a sense of like typecasting, but in a good way. You know what I mean? Like not as far as like what the exact role yeah. is, but what the attitude of the character is. Oh yeah, and he brings it every time. Yeah, every time. Yeah, absolutely. Like I can't think of really a role of his that I was disappointed in him. You know what I mean? No, no. So let me hear your your number four. My number four. I'm gonna pull my list back out so I can look at my point. Um, taxi driver. Okay. Um, I think like this one is one of the more obvious ones because, like, you know, Travis Bickle is one of the most iconic characters in film ever. The are you talking to me scene like goes down in film infamy. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you had to play uh, what the hundreds greatest scenes in film are, there's no way that's not making the list, you know? And like, just, and like the subtle, like, like the different, like one, the nuances about the film that like you couldn't necessarily do in film today. You know what I mean? Because like, right. not only is it like touch more or less on his relationship with a child, like it touches on mental health, like kind of in a fashion that the Joker did. Like, right. Like it, it, it definitely, I and mean, we've talked about that before 
that like I got a very taxi driver feel from from the Joker. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. one of like the most iconic images in my head when I think of especially that movie and like film in general is like when he's sitting on the floor carbon in blood and he puts the, the imaginary gun to his head. Like yeah. that scene is just phenomenal. And like and like all the other people like Jodie Foster at, at what? How old was she? Twelve? Twelve or thirteen, yeah. Incre- phenomenal. Phenomenal for like the range a twelve year old child. She almost it almost feels like she lost her range as she got older. Like as sad as that yes. is, just sad as that is. No, thing. I agree. And I agree. Um, she had something that like most people like you need to be just born with, you know. And uh, like to the fact that like John Hinckley Jr. fell in love with her and shot the president over it, you know. Yeah. Like also like going in the culture impact to the film and like. I can't think of too many movies that highlighted mental health that early in film. You know, like that's a really good point. Like that's a very good point. Like the only things that I could think of that highlighted it, like in a similar fashion, but not really, is like Apocalypse Now. You know, with like which came after, which it did come after. You're right. I'm thinking in my head that it did because I think Brando, so I think before. You know what I mean? But it's late in Brando's career, yeah. but. Um, like only, and that's just talking about more like shell shock. You know what I mean? They kind of open the the like the spectrum a little bit more with Travis Pickle's character, and it's just it's just it's so profound. It it's like that movie, like and like the, like the way that it crescendos, and it's just it's it's literally just it's almost a perfect film. Okay, I will. Um, that is on my list too. I will talk about it. When 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 that appears, okay, because I it's such a movie that you could we we can go, I mean, ham on. Oh, I will say this though, mental health films you can kind of look at Psycho in a way. Yes, okay. Um, I One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest comes to mind. Yeah, um, that's like right around the same time, a little before, but I you know I think you're you're right that really hits it. It's it's uh. It's those. I, I can't think of stuff before that hits it. Like I said, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Right. Um, but the, I feel like the difference in in the two is that like most of the film in cuckoo's nest is you know he's playing the victim. You know what I mean? And Travis Bickle is acting out on being the victim. You know what I mean? Like. He turn yeah. he turn he comes from the becomes goes from the victim to the victimizer, you know what I mean? Which is something that happens very often. So I feel like it was it was done very well. You know what I mean? It wasn't left one sided, you know, like right, it was like right. the natural progression of mental health. So it's just it's just regardless, way before it's time, way before it's time. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think that's they're both interesting because I think you can I kind of feel that way with. Um, you know, with Jack Nicholson in that, in, in one flew over the cuckoo's nest, he kind of has that not as in your face as as Travis Bickle, but I feel like he kind of has, or he kind of has a you know Nurse Ratchet kind of keep that back and forth, and it kind of gets to him a little bit. But um, yeah, very true. It, it's both both are great movies about mental health. I feel and stand the test of time. So wow, that's that's a uh, okay number four. I'm honestly. I I could see you going so off kilter. I'm surprised you put that on. I'm glad you did because I was gonna 
I was going to stick it to you that you don't have it on there, <laughs> but I thought you were just going to go five for five, just art house, you know, shock value Scorsese film. So I'm glad you, you at least put Taxi Driver on that list. So yeah, there was okay. there was a few that I I I think two that were guarantees that we were both going to have, and that was one of them. And um, so. But yeah, the other one, I think we're going to have the same number one. I, I think so. I, My number four, I think we'll get a little bit of slack from you. But I, I'm going to put it on here only because I, I think it just deserves it. And I think it has still lasted, the, you know, all these years later. I'm going to put The Departed on here. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, The Departed's on my list. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say where, but it is It right. is on my list. Um, and for me, why I put The Departed on here, at first I was thinking, like, no. Like, I, I never didn't think it wasn't, like, a, a hell of a movie. But at first I was like, nah, I'm thinking of Scorsese's catalog. But I look at it, it does do something that's very well where it has the mob feel to it. But he also hits the police, you know, that back and forth police mob. And then it's a thriller, which I don't think I don't think of it as that. But if you look at it, it really is like a thriller kind of a film. And that's just me. And I think that all the performances, even though you could even critique Jack for kind of being a little, you know, he dials up Jack a little too much. I still liked him in this a lot. I uh, love Leo. I loved Matt Damon. This is, as someone who's not a big fan acting-wise of Mark Wahlberg, the best acting I've ever seen him do still to this day. I thought even Martin Sheen was great. I thought Alec Baldwin stole some scenes. The acting, to me, is phenomenal. Um, The ending is controversial, but it still is all these twists and turns to it. And I think it still kind of holds up, and it gets that. I think it led to a lot of people we've seen with the town and all that, but that I think a lot of like guys want that, that tough Irish Boston kind of, you know, background and it kind of got into that underworld a little bit very well for me. Um, And I just think it, it was something that it also showed me in my opinion that at that point Scorsese, not that he lost it, but I was like, the dude still got it. And that's what I, he still can bring it. And he kind of iced it for me as he's the best director of all time. Not because he won, but just because that was like, just like icing on the cake of a already, like you said before, goat career. So The Departed's my number four. Okay. So like I said, The Departed's on my list. So I don't want to give too much away of my explanations. But right. this is one of those instances. I What I will say is where... I had to separate what my favorite was and what the best was. Same, same. Because by far, The Departed is my favorite. And it really comes from a place of nostalgia. Almost. And the fact that um, it was definitely 100% a passion project for him. He was, you know what I mean? Like he could have done Mm -hmm. a lot of movies, but he chose to take a true story more or less and twist it. You know what I mean? The the Whitey Bulger story. Uh, Yeah. And not only that, but here's like, 
I'll have to get into this, like, because it all goes into my why it's on not you know number one and why I didn't think it was his best. But um, I agree with you. <laughs> I'll just put it. I'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah, I I just think it just it, it the build up is great, but I like I said I don't I love when movies do that when you can put it in so many kind of categories and it'd be high you know thrillers I think it'd be an all time thriller an all time kind of mob movie it it, it all time you know cop police movie and all those things and just the level like to me when I saw that you know the trailer and all my friends who were big film fans at the time getting hyped for this. We were talking about it and all oh, these great actors and the performances. Like I said, I wouldn't have thought, you know, Wahlberg got nominated for that for best supporting actor. I know we knocked the Oscars, but it was well-deserved and hell Alec Baldwin, Martin, she, they, they brought it. So it's, it's just a hell, hell of a film. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, you know, I, I like, we have always kind of been on the same page about the departed. And I've told you before that it's my favorite Scorsese film. Yeah, but, uh, by no stretch of the imagination do I think it's his best. Right. Um, so, what's your? It's right number three for you, sir. Yeah. Um. So my number three is Cape Fear. Hmm. Okay. Um. Probably the most controversial pick on my list. Um. This was kind of one that I couldn't. Um remove my bias from just to be honest mm-hmm. um you know that's one of, another one of his kind of art housey films uh you know i also absolutely love gregory peck um <laughs> yeah you know it, it's uh i but in my opinion why it deserves so low on the list this was one of his best instances of showing his directorial range you know like Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, in my opinion, would open the door for him to do something like a Shutter Island. You know? Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I, I put it in there so low because I think it was one of the biggest stepping stones in his career. Um, like, you know, if if you watch that movie, that movie, in my opinion, doesn't give off a Scorsese feel. Um, like, down to, you know, kind of the way it's shot like just like from a hands-on directorial standpoint um, to like the way he kind of laced up De Niro, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a very different role from De Niro. And I think like that has to be accounted for in that, like it showed De Niro's range because like around this time is when everyone thought that, you know, he was just going to be a mobster, you know, and not that it's wildly different, but once again, we're like touching into like the mental health and like a psychological thriller and somebody who, you know, is like, you know, just like, uh, what do you say? Like war scarred from prison and, you know, and like also like having a past and a record and stuff like that. Like as long as it's okay, I talk about that on the podcast. Um, like, uh, there's like a more emotional feel for me for that movie. You know what I mean? Not that he, like I was rooting, you know, for him and rooting for the villain in the scenario, but like, Right. Like I can understand like a scenario like that in your life could take a giant toll on you. And but it's uh it's definitely um also like one of those things, like it's just like it's powerful to me. And uh and when like growing up, like I remember seeing the film growing up, like uh, you know, it was one of my dad's favorite films. 
and it, not until like around you know film school did I know that was a Scorsese film, and I love being surprised like that. You know what I mean? I, I love looking yeah. back and be like, oh, okay, now I see his touches. You know, so that's mm-hmm. more more, and that's why it made it number three for me. I feel like that no, was I, a um, spot though. Yeah, I I I think it, I, I, number one, you can always this, this show. Hey, it's, it's about passion. It's about the love. So. Whatever the connection is, don't don't ever be. It's your first time, but yeah, you know, don't ever worry. You can always share that stuff. Number one, number two, I did think about Cape Fear because I do like it a lot, and I like I, as someone who's not even the biggest like Nick Nolte fan. Um, I like Nick Nolte in it. Um, what I'll say is why I didn't put it on the list or even like higher for honorable mentions is because taking out the bias, I think it's really good because we have an idea of what Marty Scorsese is. So it's like on a personal note, I'm like, Oh, that's different for him. But, and so I, and I agree with you. I give kudos to that. But then if I take out my bias, it doesn't stick out as a thrill. It's a very good thriller, but I'm not like, Oh, that was one of the great. It's, it's, it's a Hollywood thriller. That's entertaining. It's good. But if I give an unbiased opinion, it doesn't stick out where, it's not the biggest risk taking for Scorsese as a director, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's not like for a guy who has so many movies that are top of a certain genre of film. It's not in that category either. It's just like, oh, this is unique for him, for this legendary, you know, kind of art house slash film noir kind of dark gritty kind of director this is different so like i totally see what you're saying but like take out my bias that's why i couldn't put it on there but i i think it's a really good pick though see like but also like on the other side of the coin of the argument of what you're saying like i also feel like it shows that he can make those kind of movies and do them well you know what i mean like because there are some very like highly regarded directors in my opinion that have gone the more commercial route and it is unwatchable. And it's unwatchable. You know what I mean? It totally removes the essence of why I love them. And I still, like, now watching it, like, I'm like, wow, this is a Scorsese. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 I get it. I do get what you're saying. I just think, um, I think for me, it, because it was, it was, I look at it as good. And and I I can look at like later on with like Gangs of New York or I, I'll be honest for me even like The Aviator as kind of they're they're kind of like Hollywoody fil- films to me but are better than Cape Fear. Yeah, I could agree. Like like I said in the beginning of me prefacing that, I think that one came down to more personal taste. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to share that. And you know, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. You know that. Um, I try, like, I don't know. I guess it's just uh, like I still believe that it deserves a place on the list. But now thinking back, maybe a little higher. Maybe, maybe, maybe I would have rotated the number five and number three. Um, but then you know what I mean. But then I feel like my whole list changed, and I spent I spent yeah. a week looking at this list. So and I changed it enough times. Like <laughs> honestly, only one movie has stayed on the list the entire time. Okay. See, I had 
my number one was number one, but a couple have been on the list, but flipped, and then some weren't, and then made it. So I like only my number one was like yeah that stays, but like everything else has been rotated, which I mean testament to Marty, but like it this this was very tough. This was tough. So I I hear you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, go ahead. Go um, ahead. Yeah, I, when I was doing it initially, it kind of like all the like the obviouses made the list, and I, then I thought about to the movies and who I am as a person, and as you know me very like we know each other very well that unpopular opinions are my thing. They say hard that I can I can attest for everyone listening that it that Steve is yes that is him to a T. So yeah, so I was. Uh, I had I had to get one. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I'll say this. It's why I enjoy our conversations and it's why I thought you would be a perfect podcast guest for all those reasons. So it, it, it fits very well, very well, my friend. So, okay, I like that. But my number three is one that I'll be honest. Uh, it's the opposite. On a, on a top five favorite Marty list, it does not hit it. It wouldn't make my top five. But if I have to give the best, I have to take out my bias to the best of my ability. And my number three will be Raging Bull. Mm. That's, that's and funny. why is that funny? Because I almost, I, I'll just tell you right now, it didn't make my list. Uh, but yeah. I almost felt morally obligated to put it on my list. It was one of the ones that I felt like it needed to be there, and I was just like, you know what? I, I you know, I, I understand why people love this movie, but it's just not for me. It's, you know, it's like I agree that it's some of his best work, but I feel like there was just a few things that were above it. I say this is not my fate. Like it's not a movie. I like. Favorite Scorsese films are a lot of movies that I can rewatch a lot. Like, this is one that I, I've seen a few times, honestly, because, like, it it's, gets talked about so much and gets raved about on a lot of different lists. And a lot of people call this, you know, his, his, his best and his, his I guess, uh, his, his masterpiece, which is a strong statement for such a great director. But I... Uh, I look at it like this. It is just like the way that, I mean, there's something about it, man, where I'm really weird, where I, I'm obviously, I, I'm not even someone who love like, I don't watch TCM and like, I love the black and white films. Like, I mean, like, there's plenty of movies that were in black and white that I enjoy, but like, I'm not someone who loves that. And I'm glad that movies are in color now, but there's something about like, this movie being in black and white. I mean, I, mean, I know that's simple, but it just adds to it. And it, it, it's just a beauty in itself, the way this is shot. And the fact that you get into really just the mindset of a, of a boxer the, and just how raw it is, how tough it is. A guy who obviously that, edge that he couldn't turn it off he was just a bull in the ring it worked for him in the ring but he showed it shows how hard it is to turn it off outside of the ring and 
just the real rawness to it and the real heart of it. And, you know, and now granted, they're a little biased where I love boxing and boxing history, but just the ups and downs, the, the toll that this sport, that brutal sport, it's beautiful, but brutal can take on all aspects of your life. The fact that De Niro with the weight gain and, and what he did in the up and down, um, it's just phenomenal to me. And it's just a beautiful, there's something in it. I think there's movies that have it where there's beauty in the ugliness, you know, there's beauty in the grind. There's beauty in the struggle. There's beauty in the, the, the screw up, you know, the guy who just is like, man, he can't get out of his own way. And I think like, I, I relate to that. I think a lot of people do. And I feel like this movie just nails it. And it's just, it's sad. It's somber. You see, he's self-destructive. Um, but it's just a beautiful film and it's really just touching. And I think it is something that it's, 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 it's art and, you know, so much of film is art, but this is really just, it's art to me. So I, I put it at number three. Okay. Um, so in my humble opinion, right. When anyone says that Raging Bull is his magnum opus, I throw up in my mouth. Um, now I hear you. I don't say it, but everybody does. I don't, but a lot of people do. I don't, I don't knock it either, but I don't agree with it. I'm with you, but I'm not going to throw it in my mouth either. Though. I don't think it's that crazy. Um, but I think this is like one of the first almost post Brando error, um, like, instances of method acting that are truly incredible um you know as someone like i which i'm pretty sure we talked about this like i boxed for 11 and a half years right so like i i understand mm-hmm. this and what i love so much about that movie one in my opinion like aside from that is it's hard to get through for me um and like i like movies like that you know, like I can, like, like we've said 10 times in this podcast, I'm an art house guy. So like boring movies, I can do that. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But right. um, it's, it's really hard to get through. But that being said, like the thing I love so much is the homage to other movies in this film. You know what I mean? Like when he says in the end, when he says I could have been a contender from on the waterfront, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, it's one of those things I don't disagree with it being on anyone's list, but just not for me. Well, I'll say, let me say this, and I have a question for you. The first is we have to point out that this movie really, it saved Marty Scorsese's career, but really in a way saved his life as Scorsese was really down and out personally at this time. And he had made great movies before this, but I don't know if, I think that this is an, an important – and I wonder how much bias people have when they say that. But if he doesn't do this film personally and professionally where he's at, where he goes, you know, and, and say, like, there's no Raging Bull and he stops. Is a, he's a guy who made some great movies, but he's not the guy. And so as a, I think it is like a, a – what's the word I'm looking for? Like that, that like, gut check part of his career. Like either, hey, you're going to sink or swim right now, and, and obviously he, he swam on to 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 
to all-time greatness. But uh, So I do want to point that out, that it was very important in his life and in his career. But why do you throw up in your mouth a little bit when people say that? Because I just think in that there's a, a, quite a few movies over it. You know what I mean? And I, I think that people attribute too much to the black and white. I, I think it, it like, obviously me and you both know that like a lot of movies do that to make it edgy, you know? Um, like it's not always an instance with like, say clerks where they literally just could not afford, they could afford, afford it, yeah. you know? And, but like, I hate when people, yeah, let me reiterate and uh, like add to the fact that like, it always comes with that is his magnum opus that like that it's his best film. It's in black and white. I hate that. Like it means nothing, you know, like it, it, I can film anything in black and white. It doesn't make it great. You know, I agree, but I think this, that's, that's why I, I do. I agree with you that it's not his magnum opus for me either, but I do think a lot of people do black and white. And, and hype it up, but I think like it does work. Like I do think this is just totally like a lot of movies that people that like. I think Clerks is the same if it's in color. I'll be honest. For me, I don't think I don't think black and white is cool for the Kevin Smith story. But I'm not like well, if it was in color, it would be terrible. Uh, black like <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna be honest. I think it's just it's cool for the story. Like if I don't know that story. It doesn't mean anything to me. I just like that. Hey, he did it his way. He really had to grind and make it. But if that movie's in color, I, I get the same effect from it. I really, for me, I do. Um, this, if it's in color, okay. No, I'm, I, I, I don't see it. I, I, I think it's all right. This, it, I really I, do. This could literally just be my wanting to have the unpopular opinion. Just to be totally honest, just to be transparent, it, yeah. it could totally be that I just like the very deep down place the hipster in me, you know, like put put puts <laughs> his flannel on and just doesn't agree, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Like, because I'm human, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, like I, I. No, no. I, I mean, you got me now wanting. I got to stay side, you know, focused because I want to now debate. Why you think Clerks is so great in black and white? But I, I won't. That's yeah, another so time. We, I another could do time. twelve podcasts on Kevin Smith, and and you know that. <laughs> um, yeah, because yeah, he's my favorite director of all time. But um, yeah, I, yeah, it's just it, it could just be me wanting to go against the grain, just to be honest. You know, I'm I'm no mm-hmm. professional. <laughs> no, no. Um, it's hard. Like, there's like. If you ask me on a favorite list, would I rather watch Cape Fear or Raging Bull? I would take Cape Fear yes. every time. Like, it's not a movie like I personally like. Like, I probably have seen it twice. And the second time was just to be like, you know what? Let me be fair and watch it again. Like, to like, and take out my bias. Cause I thought, good, but whatever. Like, you know, I'm like, I, I you know, being a guy who loves boxing, I'm like, I, I know a lot about Jake LaMotta and whatever. But then rewatching it, and putting on that film critic lens, I was like, it is something else. That, so that's why I put it on there for like this. But uh, yeah, yeah. Let me let me leave, get to your. I guess we're on your number two. Okay, so let me pull it up. Uh, my number two, The Departed. Okay. Um, 
So to get into that, if it was up to favorites, it would be number one on my list. Actually, it would be between that and something that didn't make the list at all. Um, just to be totally honest. But um, this movie brought the best out of every actor in the film possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I know you're not a fan of Mark Wahlberg, but I am. But I'm a, I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan of Mark Wahlberg because of his charisma and his comedic timing in other movies and, like, the whole, like, almost prominence that he was Marky Mark in the Funky Bunch. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. I also, like, I'm sure a big part of it comes from that I love Entourage and Entourage is about Mark Wahlberg and just, like, almost more or less following Mark Wahlberg is where my love for him. So to see him do something as good as detect or Sergeant Dignam is, is incredible to me. Um, so that, like that aside, you know, uh, obviously Leonardo DiCaprio is, is, is great. Do I think it's his best role? No. Um, do, do I think anyone could have else played the role? Probably not. I don't think, um, like he adds like a certain, like being neurotic, you know, to it that, that like, yeah. I don't think a lot of, at least we'll say most people couldn't accomplish, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. and I think the best part of the whole movie is the sub characters. Um, I think one of like the unsung heroes of the characters in the films is Anthony Anderson. I think for somebody who, like, we almost attribute, like, when I think Anthony Anderson movies, I think, like, Kangaroo Jack, you know? I don't think anything super, like, and maybe something's escaping my brain at the moment, but, um, like, just the little powerful scenes that he had, you know, like the elevator scene. And, Mm -hmm. And, like, how, like for someone who I don't suspect to have any range, Scorsese brought the range out of everybody. You know what I mean? Like, almost like the sound of defeat in his voice when they're on the rooftop is just something I just never seen coming from him. You know what I mean? And um, right. and I'm really just using him as an example. But um, And it's like the little back and forths in the movie, like between you know, Dignam and Alec Baldwin and like um, like you know, Mark Wahlberg talking about the feds and, you know, like, and just like that whole, like that, like the departed created a genre of South Boston movies that were all really good. You know, it's not, it's almost something like, I don't think, I want to say that wasn't really the first one. Cause if I can like think back to my brain, the first like good South Boston movie I can really think of is a movie called Oxymorons. I don't know if, if you mm-hmm. if you remember that film, but I do. Um, which also, if I remember correctly, one of the brothers from the town is in the the rap the guy who's the rapper Slade or whatever his name is. I think he's in it too. But anyway, um, but like the light that it shed on like more or less the Whitey Bulger situation while he was on the run is just really cool to me. But also, while it did, why it didn't, let me flip the coin, right? Why it didn't make number one for me is that it's a rewritten script. Like, it's copied off a movie like called Infernal Affairs. 
that was a Korean film, I think, Korean or, or Japanese film, and it was rewritten into The Departed, um, which is why I think they have Jack Nicholson so played up in the movie. Like, because it's to follow kind of the script in this. I think he kind of had to be in this movie. And I think they, they did yeah. take it a little far. Um, and like example of that would be the bar scene where he's drawing the rats on the placemat. Like that was just, that was a little yeah. much. The, yeah, I, I definitely think that it was. Like for someone who is like the king of subtlety, you know, I think it was a little much for him to where it seemed like out of character. Um, so like that would be like the miss in, in my opinion of why it wouldn't make number one for me. Cause now like, cause now okay. like I'm arguing one against two, you know what I mean? So, um, right. but I think it's my favorite Scorsese film. Um, it's the one I could watch the most down to like the, what I love and what I think is not spoke, spoke about a lot is the soundtrack in the movie how minimalist it is. It's pretty, I think it's three songs only played through the whole film. And like, well, you, I know shipping um, up to Boston, but which is the repetitive one, like the way they use like that, like the kick drum and the bagpipes in the movie from that song. Yeah. I I don't think anyone would know dropkick Murphy's honestly, without this movie, I'll be honest. In my opinion, I, I really feel, I mean, I think there's certain people, but I feel like, no one knew then, and then the, you, you, this movie came out, and then yeah, everyone's you yeah. Know. I mean, me being a punk fan, of course, I knew who the Dropkick Murphys were, but that shed like a whole new light on them, just from you know yeah. what I mean, because like people found you know shipping up to Boston, then they found that album called The Fighters Code, and they found Rose Tattoo, and like all their other like really prominent songs that are just super Irish is the best way to say it. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, so. I th- well, and now you hear it all the time. You hear it in sports. You hear it everywhere, you know, all the time. Yeah, it now. almost, like, created, um, like, a whole wave for that song. Kind of like, it. like, I put it up there, you know, with, like, other, like, you know, almost arena songs. You know what I mean? Like. Oh, yeah, you know, it's like Seven Nation Army and, you know, Zombie Nation. Teenage Wasteland, like when the Lakers enter the Staples Center, you know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. I, I put it up with them, you know what I mean? I, but um, and, and also, speaking of, it's a good point with the soundtrack. I know for me, a lot of people got introduced to Gimme Shelter from the movie. Also, the trailer played that get for, you know. Which is probably my favorite Stones, Rolling Stones song, but a lot of people didn't really know Gimme Shelter of a younger generation until, you know, seeing the trailer for The Departed and then seeing the movie. So I, I, I give it credit for that yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point. You know, I love the song Gimme Shelter. Um, and like I could go on a whole nother 30 minute tangent about that song, but. Um, <laughs> oh yeah it's uh yeah i agree i think it's like it really used like more or less most movies the soundtrack is background noise that yeah. used music and parts of songs as plot points absolutely like, which is uh, not an easy thing to accomplish in my opinion you know what i mean like you knew when you heard that and then like the bagpipes go and like the mandolin and all that start playing you know it was about to go down 
And yeah. that's almost like the M. Night Shyamalan like, myth that if you see something red in the film, that and something like highlighted lens red is going to be, is, is going to, you know, oh, something's about to pop out. It's almost like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. Um, I think that's a great point that Scorsese had, you know, when I think of symbolism, I think he's like hands down the king of that and just uh, the debates and, you know, so many people, I remember in this, even in the part with the, the exes, you know, when, when, um, when Marty Sheen gets thrown off the building and all those exes and that, that's symbolizing, you know, it's just the symbolism that this guy has in his films are, um, are, are just masterpiece. It's almost, just beautiful. And you could, you know, at least the debates all the time over it. Yeah. Almost unparalleled. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, okay, okay. And I think it's funny, like, we've talked about The Departed, like, that you like it more than I do. But this is really, it's really cool to hear you go into detail, like, of why you like it. And, um, what, like, which I like it too, but you like it more than, 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 than me. Like, obviously, it's four on my list and two on yours, but. Um, very, very interesting. I, and I think it's very, very well done in what you said for it. So I'm going to go for my number two, which you had said earlier, but Taxi Driver is my number two. And it's, it's a, for favorites, it's, it would be, I would maybe Steve have to do like a tie between my number one and this one, because this is just something, um, I've written papers about, I've helped for fun. I've helped multiple people after I've graduated school, they're in school. This was like enjoyment for me on a weekend, helping them write a paper on taxi driver in a psych class or a film class. That's how much I love this movie. Like that was fun for me. You're writing a paper about, Oh, I know that movie. I'll come over and help you out. Like, Oh, you ought to do that. No, no, no. I don't mind. And I use it as like I'm being a good friend, but really I just love this movie so much. So I'm just like, I would do this with a stranger. So like, that's how much I love this film. Um, You said a lot about it earlier and it's very true. And the mental health. Absolutely. I love to me. I've not said this to you before, but anything that talks about New York in the seventies is fascinating because we know New York now, you know, Disney took over and, and it's Times Square is lit up and it's this and it's that. But New York in the 70s was just an utter mess. And it is so fascinating to see it. You know, Times Square back then was just a lot of porn places and strip clubs and nude sites. And it was like Times Square now is Times Square. But in the 70s, it was like, well, don't go to Times Square. It's dangerous. Like, you, you're going to, you know, you're going to get robbed. You're going to get mugged. You're going to get beat up. Um, I, I think of anything that depicts outside like a documentary, New York in the seventies, truthfully, this movie does it. The, I don't know. There's very few soundtracks. You just mentioned that, but just that saxophone playing. And when Travis is driving just hits me every time. And I I don't know. There's something about it. I'm, I am a fan of jazz. I like jazz, but just the way that soundtrack just sends you, I mean, that music just sends you into an instant depression. Yeah, it kind of, like, in my opinion, like, levels you with him. Yeah, you're in an instant funk. To a point, when I was really battling my own stuff with mental health and my own battles with it, I was watching this movie every night, 
and I had to stop because I had the realization it's making me more, it's getting me into a funk more and more. Yeah. So that's how powerful the impact this movie did where I was like, I had to stop it because I'm like, this is putting me in a worse funk every night. But it's, it's a great movie, but I'm like, I am more depressed with my own life and just the world in general when I'm watching it. Um, I love really the class issue, you know, and the political stuff of, you know, with Palestine running, you know, running for president and all that stuff. And we see Sybil Shepard's character and just the way she really looks down on Travis. And it's kind of weird because obviously Travis does have strange behaviors that you can say, yeah, I see why. But really, it's it's um, it just shows that she, you know, to me, it shows that difference of she just always kind of looked down on him as a pet, and the way and she played that part very yeah. well. But to me, she it was almost like just using him for her enjoyment, her pleasure, her you know, to fill her time, and that stood out to me. That even though he did things that were strange. I always almost kind of felt for him in the way he put her on this pedestal as well. And you're right. Just the way he's just kind of going into that psychological, he's just going deeper and deeper and darker and darker down it. It's, it's just fascinating to see. Yeah. And what I thought ahead, was interesting ahead. that you, like you bring it up and I kind of left that point out is like, no matter how dark down he goes, you kind of always see her as the villain. Like, and him is yeah. the anti-hero. Him is, like, the Batman of, of sorts. You know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's definitely, it's, it's a very hard thing to do that was done very well. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it, and I think you're right with the, the, it hits on a lot. It, it definitely, when I watched The Joker, it was the movie that I thought of first. Like, it's a big connection there with it. It's, um... I think of even in real life with the subway shooter in 84, I believe Bernard gets and that controversy and how people, you know, in New York rallied with him, even though he shot those guys in the back, but they were like, we're just tired of this city. We're tired of like, you know, quote unquote, that's another topic for another day, but like the quote unquote hoodlums and all these things, it kind of has that feel to it. Um, and, and, and it just sticks out. I think it really identifies with it where it just really, to me, shows our culture in a nutshell. Still to this day that that is, to me, America, right? You know, we send, we're sending our guys off to war. We're thinking, hey, good job. Welcome home. Even though for them in Vietnam, they did, they did not get that. But we still say, hey, welcome home or whatever. You're home. You know, now go figure it out all these things, all this PTSD and the horrors that you can never take back. We're not giving them enough help. And instead of really giving that help, it's kind of thin for yourself. And the mindset is how do we deal with these problems is to wipe it out. It's not to work with it. It's not compassion. It's I'm going to clean these streets, which is code for I'm going to eliminate you with violence. And that's, that's, you know, quote unquote, we hear it now all four years, law and order, we're cleaning the streets up. No, we're, we're getting rid of you. We're going to wipe you out with violence. It's going to be painful. You know, at minimum, you're, we're going to lock you up. But really, we're just yeah. wiping you out. 
and he represents that, and we still have it in our culture today. Yeah, it's like, you know, more or less like we're going to eradicate the problem even if we created it because we don't want to exactly. see it. And right. it's true. It's very, it's, it's, su- it's such a powerful piece. And you know what I mean? Like that is something like there should be a copy of Taxi Driver in the Louvre or in the Smithsonian. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. one of those th- things that like, I agree exceeds the, the Congress, of, the Library of Congress. You know what I mean? Or like the, 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 For the sure. film archives, you know what I mean? Or like the, the Academy archives or whatever the other thing is. Um, it's like one of those things that should be on loop at all times in a, in a major museum. It, and it should be, this is what you create. Yeah. This is what, you know, and then you get upset, but this is what you create society, American society, that, you know, no wonder so many people think, hey, vigilanteism, and, we, you know, you create that, that, hey. Now, I, I think there's nothing wrong with accountability, but and, and stuff, but it's not let's work with each other, let's understand. It's hey, we'll take the law in our own hands, blow them up, wipe them out, you know, wipe out anything that's different, that's annoying, that's getting on my nerves. Let's not look to the real reason, the real people who can make a difference. We're going to take it all out on these people. And to me, it's just a movie that I know it was shot in the summer. It just looks hot, it just looks just gritty and tough. And it, it, it just, I think it's also brilliant, like, to give him that role of a taxi driver, because then, you know, whether, you know, Martin Scorsese's even in this movie, but then the people he's picking up, which is like a subplot yeah. in a way, but like those, it's real intimate, it's tight, and it's interesting to see those scenes of him just driving and looking back, and he's kind of, the people are talking, but he's making his judgments mm-hmm on you know these people and it's just fascinating that filmmaking and how it's like almost like you could say at first like a therapist you know what he you know he's like the therapist or the bartender listening but really it's like the priest and the confessional kind of a thing you know that's really what yeah, i that see start from. this whole like taxi cab confession phenomenon yeah 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 i, I agree with you that's a very that's beautiful point on it like it, it just it birthed so many things that like to leave it out of the list is a travesty it, it really is and it's hard i mean we're two philly guys and that year rocky won best picture and i love rocky but and rocky stands the test of time we all know it but it's like how did this not win you know, best picture. And, and like, and you can just attribute it to like most movies that are groundbreaking is people weren't ready for it yet. And like, right. It's, Very it's true. the cost of being ahead of your time is that you're, you're, you're not appreciated in the moment. You're appreciated down the line. And it's a shame. It's a shame that something like that could be a good look at. And you know, uh, what year is it? 70, 76. Right? Okay. So, if it was looked at in 76 and taken into real consideration, like it's enough of a statement for them to change. You know what I mean? For us to change how we deal with these things, you know, like, like, mm-hmm. and just like in like a general statement, like as far as like, the drive, it's not his fault. He went to war and they lost, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. he's just a cog in the machine, unfortunately. And like now, you know, like it, it's, it's a shame, you know, 
like film is you know is like is such a, a thing that like people make films in those times because it's relevant you know whether right. people can stand to stomach it or not is a different different topic completely you know what i mean like we kind of like we brought up a few times like we kind of dealt with that with the joker you know what i mean not a lot of people were ready mm-hmm. to look at it like that you know and still aren't yeah a lot still of people aren't. caught a lot of like they caught a lot of backlash because of that movie you know like everyone feels like you're giving it like the warning sign and the like the almost school shooter vibe to it but like it's a real thing we have to look at. Like how many of these disenfranchised people are we going to perpetuate into the system? You know, it's yeah. And then be shocked when they say enough's enough and fight back and say, and, and get are angry. And then we're, people are saying, what, why are you angry? And it's like, come on, you know, come on. We, we're just going to keep missing yep. the point. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you. Uh, I'll, and I'll say this, we've, I, and this honestly is something, you know, when we talk about, you know, if, if, you know, if, obviously if you want to, a future episode, I, I feel like, you know, CNN last summer did the, the like, mini docuseries on, like, the movies and they looked at each yeah. decade. I think the 70s is, like, the best decade for film for a lot of the reasons we've just said about Taxi Driver. And I think, and I, this is just freestyling. But, like, for this movie, like, obviously, I think The Godfather 1 and 2 are, like, the top dogs. At least Godfather 1 for the best movie of the 70s. But this is, in this era, to make the impact that a lot of films were making impacts in this era, in the 70s. But for just the lasting, um, the lasting effect it's had on generations, like, in a a social, political way, um, gives it even more, you know, kudos yeah. to me because it, it, it just has really stood up against a lot of great films because the 70s when you look at what was that's probably the one decade i can look at that at least the nominations they kind of got right the winners you can even debate maybe but i look at the films that are nominated and i'm like all right that's a great movie that's a great movie so like these movies really were hitting on the times and taxi driver i think did it just as well as any of that decade yeah i i couldn't agree with you more I really couldn't. I, I like. Um, I feel like it definitely, as far as the Oscars goes, was its closest error. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think like the biggest travesty was the nineties. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean that's something I would love to go over. I would love to go over Oscar snubs. You know what I mean? Like what is oh, the for sure. Oscar snubs? <laughs> oh, you for know. sure. Um, that that would, that would be a lot of fun, actually. Um, because you're you're up for number one, and I think I, if it's the same as mine, my number one is even maybe the biggest Oscar, a bigger Oscar snub. This one I can understand, like for seventy for Taxi Driver, Rocky won, but you have all the President's Men, Bound for Glory, whatever. You have Network, you know, awesome movie, Taxi Driver. So okay, but I, I wonder if it's say number one. I think we do. So I'll let you go, but. This for me, my, my number one was like an even much bigger Oscar fraud. Um, okay, so my number one, Gangs of New York. Uh, oh, now, oh, we don't have the same. We do not. We do not. Wow. <laughs> we do. We do not have the same. That's funny because I thought we were going. To, that's, that's a curve. I thought we were going the same direction. Um, 
number one yeah. guys in New York. Um, Daniel Day Lewis doing what he does the best um, to show why, like, you know, like one, I think he has the highest. You know, not that I know I'm totally being hypocritical of what I say right now, but like the highest Oscar percentage, right? It has to be, like, yeah, for, per film so. done and and how many Oscars? What what does he have? Five. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, five Oscars or five? How many Oscars does he actually have? I feel like he has two. He has so two or three. I would say he has. Yeah. I think he has three. Three. Uh, I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm gonna look it up so I can. No, no, it's um. So anyway, um, yeah, uh, like him as you know, Bill the Butcher, William Cutting. Uh, like, I feel like it's maybe the best role ever. Um, it, wow, I, it's I, like I don't know how much this is personal opinion, but um. Like it's it's profound in so many ways, and that movie is really like three films in one. You know, even like the beginning, uh, the short part where he kills Leonardo DiCaprio's father is almost like if you mm-hmm. cut that scene to scene, like you could put that in the Sundance Film Festival, and it would win. You know what I mean? Or put it in Canes and win the Palme d'Or. Or, you know, put it in the TIFF Festival. Like, it's everything about that movie, in my opinion, is one, per almost, like, like, it's great period pieces. It's, like, the acting is incredible, like, method-wise. Um, like, parts of the film are unexpectedly lighthearted. Um, I just feel like it's so diverse and versatile that I, I personally believe that it's his best film. Um, obviously, we don't agree. And didn't even make your list, which which really surprises. I thought it was just... It, it doesn't. Um, as much as I like it, I mean, we all, you know, just go crazy for Daniel Day-Lewis a lot. And, and rightfully so. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. Um, and I'm a guy who likes Leo. I thought the movie was good. Don't get me wrong, but I guess the way you feel about Raging Bull when people talk about it is Gangs of New York for me. I gotta be well, honest. Well, I don't think this would be a podcast between me and you if that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's just, like, I don't know. I, I kind of... I respect it. I think it's very good. I think Daniel Day-Lewis kind of has that to me where we get enamored with his performance. And I like to separate, you know, um, you can have a strong performance, but the movie be okay or not that great, but you kill it. Just like you could, to me, have a weak performance, but you're in a great movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, like people are like, oh, he was in that. And I'm like, yeah, he was this or she was in that. They were in that. And that movie's great. But they didn't really do anything for me in that movie. Now, that doesn't take away from the movie. But when I look at a person's performance, and I feel like Daniel Lewis is the flip where his performances are great. But I look at the movies a lot of times. I'm like, oh, they're, they're good. But he killed it, especially because his method acting and then 
now that's like such great lore of you know how he stays in character and all that stuff. But I just kind of felt the movie was good, but it never hit great for me for a Scorsese film or a film overall. It's it's just a a good movie. I don't, I don't know. I never was wow. On that's it. that's so interesting to me. Like, and it's a period piece I don't really get down with, and I period pieces are very tough. I am a tough critic on period pieces because I'm someone who loves documentaries. So my first thing, first mindset is to, I'd rather go watch a documentary about that time than a, so I'm very hard on period pieces and it's, it's not bad, but it's not, it's not, I'll I'll tell you who I, I, uh, John C. Riley, I will give is very good in that. Yeah. uh, John C. Riley, also one of the most underrated for serious roles. He's for he's, sure. He's incredible. Like even like down to like him performing all the music in Walk Hard. You know what I mean? It's, it's like crazy. Yes. How I, it's just wild. And like I could do a full podcast on John C. Riley because I love everything he does. But um. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's what what blows my mind is like the caliber, also like the caliber of actor that he had doing little parts. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, mm-hmm. the the preacher, his father in the beginning, if I remember correctly, is Liam Neeson, right? Well, mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. no... That's, He's a yeah, priest, the yeah. Priest, yeah. That's no little actor to have for a five-minute part. You know what I mean? So, I, I, I just think... I, I don't know. I just think... Maybe... I don't know. Like, your opinions are making me reshape no. what I think. Um and because I can be, you know, receptive to other people's opinions sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, but, like, it's almost like now that, like, looking into, like, retrospect of it, it's kind of like the Dark Knight of Scorsese films. Is that, like, you know, the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger is so good. But the rest of the movie is kind of meh. Right. Well, wow. Okay. See, I definitely think Heath Ledger carries it. But I think that that's probably the one I think that is a great film of, of of all those. Like, I think, I think the film gets for, you know, this is, this is our show. So we were going to go off here, but honestly, only, only if you love movies, you're listening. Anyway, the dark Knight only goes bad when, when, when Harvey Dent is Harvey Dent. That's fascinating to me. When he becomes two face, he does a terrible two face. That's when it sucks to me, a movie. I'm like, we should end it with him becoming, and they would have ended it in the hospital when he shows Gordon, like, his face. I thought that would have been, like, the ending. Or, you know, you could have Batman get Joker and then, like, you just show his face and then we can end it there. It was too long of him as Two-Face. But I thought the movie was still compelling outside of Heath Ledger, yeah, honestly. So, so, like, my opinions um, with that, like, and is that, like, Christian Bale, by far the worst Batman. Incredible Bruce Wayne. Terrible Said, yeah, we yeah. Awful. Um, I would rather watch t- two hours of just scenes of Michael Keaton not be able to turn his neck, like than than watch anything <laughs> Christian Bale w- dressed in the cow. Um, but he was Bruce Wayne for a while in that movie, and he he does a great job. Was. Even Wayne. in the the third one, um, you know, like him in the Selena Kyle in the ballroom that like, that's a great scene. And yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, I think like 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 just kind of getting to the point that Heath Ledger carries the movie probably in the way mm-hmm. that uh, Daniel Day Lewis carries Gangs of the Gangs of New York, but he does it so well it's far less noticeable, which I think speaks to how good that that movie is. Yeah, I I think. I see. I see. I just see your point, and and I, I think I'm in the minority. I don't love it like that. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I think it's really good, but it's just for a guy. It was just also a testament. A few things, you know, the fact that at this point Scorsese's stunting like his daddy, so he he has the name power to your point to get a Liam Neeson for five minutes because it's just I'll do anything to work with Marty Scorsese. That's how great yeah. this guy is. Um, but it's, it's still, to me, it's the, it's the Daniel Day Lewis show. And I think like, even like, I remember like he won for Lincoln and I'm like, he did a great Lincoln, but people were like, that's the best picture. And I'm like, I do. Uh, I disagree. Like that's not the best picture. Uh, uh, violently disagree. <laughs> yeah. But people, people were saying that they're like, that's the best picture. And I'm like, no, thank did, you, that Sam. did not win best picture. But. You, no, no, but it was like a favorite. What won Best Picture that year? I can. I'll. I will look that up just to, just because yeah, now you're uh, sparking my memory here, or sparking my. Yeah, I. I it's 2013, so 85th. Uh, Argo. Light. Uh, Argo. Argo one, which I. Yeah, Argo was really good. Um, yeah, that's it. That definitely. But he won for Lincoln, which I think he did a good job. Um, so to, that that's just, I guess, why that's not my number. That doesn't make my list. Um, but I guess the way you feel, like people, I I was always in the minority, which I'm sure you probably were when you discussed with other friends or people in your classes back in the day about Scorsese and you not raging bull and you were in a minority. I'm always, I'm in, I'm, that's me for gangs of New York. I'm always in a minority. So I, your raging bull is my gangs of New Which York. Which makes this much. podcast align perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We couldn't yep. have planned that out. <laughs> so no, no. And for everyone listening, we did not talk about our list. We didn't discuss it one iota until we yeah. got on here. Um, my number one is Goodfellas. It's my favorite, and I think it's it's the best. Um, so I I I have to say Goodfellas for me because just on so many accounts, just the performances. Joe Pesci is unbelievable. De Niro's unbelievable. Leota's unbelievable. Um, Lorraine Bracco's unbelievable. Paul Servino's it's just un, unreal, the performances. When I think of getting performances out of people, even like Samuel L. Jackson with his small performance, just phenomenal. Like, this movie, the way Ray Liotta played, honestly, talk about a one-trick pony, because I'm not the biggest Ray Liotta fan, and I feel like he is just really riding the Henry Hill wave all these years, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel, but I, I, I think Ray Liotta's whatever. But I guess with a movie this great in a role that amazing, you you deserve it, I guess, for Henry Hill. 
But, I mean, Joe Pesci winning Best Supporting Actor was so rightfully yeah. so, like, in my, just like, to me, with, are you talking to me with De Niro? That scene with Pesci busting with uh, Ray Liotta, am I a clown to you? Am I here to amuse you? Like, it's just amazing. Like, the fact that, like, you could feel Leota as Henry Hill is kind of like, what the hell? He's scared. He's like, what's the problem? Like, I'm just joking. But you feel the fear. And then, honestly, Steve, Joe Pesci, we know, is a physically yeah. small guy. But had me scared. I'll, I'll look at that scene. I'm sitting there, and every time I'm, like, kind of cringing, like, yo, like, I know it's going to happen, but I can still feel it. Like, like, uh-oh, you just you just pissed him off, and he's about to snap on you. And the fact that, like, he played that part of Tommy so well and and just he, – he so deserved it. I mean, when he kills um, yeah. Billy Bats and the – like, that scene and just, you know, Henry locks the door and him and De Niro as Jimmy Conway and that – way down beyond the – and they're yep. just stomping on him. Unbelievable. I mean, and then to the point where we're actually played by Marty Scorsese's mom, you know, they go to the character, Joe Pesci's character, Tommy's mom's house, trying to get like a knife. And then she makes some dinner or a late night dinner and they're sitting down. And then, you know, that, that, you know, what she's asking him, why doesn't he settle down? And he doesn't settle down at night. And then I leave in the morning. Like just, that was just beautiful. Like to me and just the, the way you talked about, I guess that was to depart it. The music in this just really hits home. Like that scene with the when Henry finally gets busted in the helicopters and the paranoia and just him running around and it was like, dude, you were doomed. This is just too much for anyone to keep track of. Um it's just phenomenal. And so many and rap videos and so many things they they this this movie lasts. I think outside of Scarface this is such a part of hip hop culture. Um, and it's to me, the number two mob movie behind the Godfather, in my opinion, honestly, is this. And I can go on and on, but I, I just think Goodfellas is phenomenal. Um, so that, the, when ours did not meet, I knew when I knew it was your number one was not guys of New York. Um, I knew it was going to be Goodfellas. And I have to say, I perpetually rolled my eyes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, so where do I start? Do I think... so? Start it up. If any movie holds the test of time, it's Goodfellas. Um, if I was to pick one of the movies that I left out to put on the list... Uh, to be honest, I would have picked Casino over Goodfellas. Um, no way. It's just my opinion. It's just. It's, I hear you. I hear you. I hear um, you. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, but as far as uh, Ray Liotta goes, I'm glad he did that early in his career, more or less. Because, in my opinion, <laughs> Ray Liotta cries at night because he is Ray Liotta. Um, because he <laughs> he is awful. 
he's I don't think he's done many things that were at, like uh, definitely nothing that ever weighed up the Goodfellas, not even close. Uh, nothing even held a match to it. But um, he just constantly became the same character. And, you know, I think he was very good, and I think it worked for that role. But not all movies can you yell in one octave for the entire movie. You know, um, like, that movie just pains me. Maybe I've seen it too many times. I I, I just don't know. Um, Like, as far as, like, transcending the culture... Like, definitely, it's number one behind Scarface. You know what I mean? Which, both, in my opinion, are violently overrated. Um, um, we agree. Scarface might be the most overrated movie ever it, for me. That and like, Forrest Gump are my like, two. Um, well, see, I can understand you saying Forrest Gump, but I, I think I would look at you funny if you said Forrest Gump's a bad movie. I think Scarface is a terrible movie. Like, it's unwatchable to me. Like, I've watched it, but, like, I could barely... I think Scarface is just a bad film. Like, I think it's a... Te- I say overrated doesn't mean, like, it's bad. It's just over... I think Scarface sucks yeah, I, as a movie. I, I think, think at very terrible. least, it's an hour too long. Um, yeah. oh, an hour? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I said at very least. Yeah. Like, I could go yeah. the rest of my life and probably will without ever seeing Scarface again. Um, I avoid yes. it at all costs. Um, but yeah, that's it. like anybody who, like, I don't respect your film opinion if you like Scarface. Um, it, it'll definitely be yeah. a damper. But as far as Goodfellas go, I understand why people love that movie. And it didn't make the list for me, but I, it was close. It was it was a knee jerk reaction to put it on the list for me, so it's what made me heavily consider picking it off. Um, I I I'll, I'll say this: I think it's phenomenal because of the turns it takes. I think there's so many dynamics of seeing I of Henry, who really seemed like he didn't the way he played it. Ray Liotta, he didn't fit that world, but he idolized, like, he kind of, he's relatable where he kind of does and kind of doesn't. You know what I mean? I think we all know people like that. Like, you got some mischief in you, but you're a good guy, and that's how I looked at him. Like, he didn't didn't have what Jimmy had. He didn't have what Tommy had, where they were just ruthless. Uh, Henry had a heart, but Henry kind of just looked, he didn't respect the working man. You know, he respected these guys who looked fancy, were making the money, and were flashy, which we all can, you know, if we're not careful, can get yeah. caught up in the flash. He, um, I thought Lorraine, Lorraine Bracco killed it, though. Um, to, to me, this, it, it, it's why we have the Sopranos. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you anymore, and you took the words out of my mouth. Without Goodfellas, the Sopranos, without Goodfellas, Sopranos doesn't exist, especially because of Lorraine Bracco. But, um, Right. In my opinion, just to like kind of go back on what you said, that like Jimmy and that was a businessman at all costs. Tommy was a Calvinist, mm-hmm. you know, and right. Henry was kind of the bipolar angel. You know what I mean? Who was just he was just influenced. Mm-hmm. And if he would have grew up in different circumstances in a different neighborhood, he never would have led into that life. But I cannot stay the same for Jimmy and Tommy. 
Um, so right. I, I agree with you. Right. And as far as like, you know, Joe Pesci playing the cowboy, the only person who's ever done it better is the Duke himself. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just that any movie that he's in that he gets to be that, it's just like, okay, we're in for a wild ride. You, you know. And, and you're right. And for me, I saw Goodfellas. I was younger. I was like 12 or whatever. But I, you know, was when I think of uh, Joe Pesci, what I first remember Absolutely. is Home Alone and Lethal yeah. Weapon, right? So to me, Joe Pesci's just, he's almost like Danny. De- I'll be honest, at first, when I, he, him and Danny DeVito are like the same when I was a kid because I watched Taxi on Nick at Night with DeVito and like the, you know, Batman Return, he's a penguin. So, and twins and Joe Pesci, I'm like, oh, they're two little guys and they're kind of goofy. And then I, I'm like 11 or 12 and I see Goodfellas. And Steve, my mouth, I'm just like, the dude, Leo from Lethal Weapon is this? like, it was like, whoa. It's almost like when I found out like how dirty of a comic right. Bob Saget was. And I'm like, <laughs> Danny Tanner? Danny Tanner's saying all these dick jokes? Like, what? Like, it, it, it was kind of like that. I'm like, I'm like Leo is Tommy. Like it, it blew my mind how good. Yeah, he was. that that's 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 funny. That's a, that's a really on point comparison. Yeah, like of course, like as a child, my first. You know what I mean? We're around the same age, so like, yeah. my first like uh, exposure to Pesci was Home Alone. Of, of course, as, as far as I can remember, it might have been Lethal Weapon. Um, only, and I only say that because my dad loved those movies. Um, so, like, yeah. my first cognitive recollection of him is Home Alone. So, to see him play that is just, like, and I think if, like, if you had to argue, like we said before, like, top memorable scenes in, a, in movies of all time, there's no way in any realm of anything, top five, Go get your fucking shine box, Tommy. It, it isn't in there. Like yeah. literally, if if you don't like, you just you don't watch movies. I, I, you know what I mean. Like when I think of that movie, like there's a few scenes that stand out to me, and like the "Am I a Clown to You" is definitely one of them. Uh, that one, and the like kind of unsung one is the dance spider dance. And oh yeah, with, with sure. just like the subtleties in that scene after he kills him. He's like, oh, I dig a hole. You act like I've never dug a hole before. Uh, that, like that, just mm-hmm. to show like the coldness of his character, that like just surpasses the comedic, like because like his character has a, a very dark comedic relief to him. You know, you know what I mean. That's mm-hmm. like almost sick, sickener. You know, that... and and that one sticks out as maybe one of the more brutal scenes in a film to me, like I put it up there. It's even more brutal than Sonny at the toll booth. It's more brutal. I think the only thing that compares, you mentioned casino when, when uh, I forget it, Nikki and Don Joe Pesci and his brother get killed at the end. And they, they hold Joe Pesci and he's watching his brother get like hit the bats. That's the only thing that might be more like hard to watch in a mob movie than, like, him killing Spider. And I love how, like, you know how much, like, Henry's his friend, you know, Ray Liotta. Jimmy's, like, a big brother. He loves Tommy, you know, Robert De Niro's character. But they know how messed up that was that he killed Spider. 
and they're like, yo, that's messed up that you killed him. Yeah. Like, and, and that's just what was just terrible. Like, you're tormenting this kid. He sticks up for himself. And that's, like, one of the first instances in that film that somebody even questions him. You know what I mean? When, when Robin yeah. was like, what's the matter with you? You know what I mean? And, like, he was, he's, like, he's a kid. He's mm-hmm. playing around. Like, so, like, to, to even challenge him in that film just, like, stands for, the, like, the, the psychotic animal that he really was, like, portrayed to be in that film. So, yeah, like, the, as far as, like, hard-to-watch scenes go, I'd say, like, his death is up there in both, you know, Goodfellas Casino. Like, when he, like, when, like, that, like, like the way every time I watch Goodfellas, when he opens the door and there's nobody in the room, and my heart drops out yeah. underneath me every time. You know what I mean? Even though I know they didn't open the books for him, I know that what's about to happen, it doesn't make it because of you get attached to the villain. You know what I mean? Like, someone has to be the heel, and it's him. Like, and, and you're right, and to that point, both those. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I want to watch what I say because I don't ever want to say killings, you know, justify killings. But as far as the movie, they're understood as far as how the movie goes. Like, both his care in Goodfellas and Casino, because those two, though, of any Scorsese films get compared, those two I think are the top. They always get compared and people confuse them for obvious reasons. But both times when Joe Pesci's characters get killed, A, you know it's coming, and B, you're like, yeah, dude, you're out, you're out of control. By how the how the mob is working, you're out of control, you know. But it's still heartbreaking yeah. both times. Like, um, and I think that's the brilliant of Marty Scorsese because in Goodfellas, it's like a happy occasion, and the music's like he's going to be a made man, and they pull it up, and like it's a happy kind of a thing, and you're like, all right, Tommy's going to be made, and like you're right, we should hate him because he's so psychopathic. But we're like, go ahead, Tommy. You're gonna be a made man. And then they, they, the face, they get that face of like, oh, he knows it, and they whack him. And then to combat it with, and that the phone call, the guy on the phone is Marty Scorsese's de- real life dad. But when Robert De Niro, Jimmy gets on the phone and and he hears that they got him, you know, they they shot him, you know, he's dead. And then he just bangs the the payphone and he gets emotional, like. It, it you know you see Jimmy cry it's, it, it's something to it man yeah. it's, it's it, it, it and I want to say this real quick like the brilliance of Goodfellas to me is it's it's Henry Hill's story and like a lot of the 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 talking you know narrations Henry Hill but then to flip it to Karen Hill Lorraine Bracco and her viewpoint I think is so brilliant and is why. To fast forward to when the Sopranos happens, you don't need to know why. Um, uh, how am I blanking on on um, on Tony's wife's name? In, God, in real life, uh, no, no, I know her name in real life, uh, but the character. Wow. Um, I want. I keep wanting it's to say daughter, I know Meadow um, is the daughter. Carmela, yeah, Carmela. Yeah, it was like I. I don't need to know why. Why like why is Carmela with Tony? Because we have Goodfellas and Karen Lorraine Bracco so greatly explains the tour, how she's torn and why she's with yeah. Henry. Yeah. You know that, what I mean? That honestly, that scene with the phone booth at, when he finds out, probably in the top mm-hmm. three 
emotional scenes for me personally, even though, like I said, it's not my favorite Scorsese film and I didn't even put it on my list is like in like in film and TV, you know what I mean? Like my, my number one most emotional scene ever is a TV show, but like that it's close to that and not many things compare to that. And like, just like to give reference to what I'm talking about, like, I don't know if you watch, I'm pretty sure you have, but uh, when Opie dies in Sons Anarchy, like the mm-hmm. attachment, like that they force you to build to him, you know what I mean? And like, and like, it's just, yeah. it's a different scenario because he goes out a hero, you know what I mean? But like, it's just, it's, it's why, yeah, it's, it's an emotional scene. And I'm actually really glad that you put it on your list so we could talk about it, you know what I mean? <laughs> And especially yeah. like in depth, like we do anything, um, but but yeah, right. So um, should I give my honorable mention? Yeah, yeah. I I think uh, I just want to say this before you give it. Like, it's my favorite Scorsese film. I think that is the magnum opus for me for him as of right. I mean, who knows? He could still top it. Like he's still making great movies. But that's that's my number one. I think it's it's the one I can rewatch the most. And it's also, I think, his best. So, yeah. Go ahead. What's your, what's your uh, honorable uh, And mention? this one is 100%, all biased included, uh, uh, is The Wolf sure. of Wall Street. Wow. Um, I love that film. I think as far as a supporting actor goes, by far in the general masses of his movies, Joe Pesci steals it every time. But Jonah Hill is close. Jonah Hill is up there. Uh, Hill, was Jonah Hill is super underrated as well. You know what I mean? From that to Moneyball, and just like even his simple comedy I, films. You know what I mean? I don't know why, because Jonah Hill is one of probably the more talented people in Hollywood right now. For for a long time, Jonah Hill. I'm 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 like maybe his biggest. I think Jonah Hill's yeah. brilliant, and 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 not surprised by anything he does because he's just. But that yeah. Good. Um, I love The Wolf of Wall Street. It is by far the Scorsese film that I could watch the most. Um, so probably to the effect that it's lighthearted. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I also like have like loves for that. And I knew who Jordan Belfort was way before they made the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was same, very same. aware of him and his very interesting life. And like down to, you know, like the Rocky Aoki and like, uh, that being like how I actually found out about that was reading about Steve Aoki, the the DJ, um, and that being his father, mm-hmm. and then reading about his father and owning Benny Hanna, and then getting caught up, and then Jordan Belfort, and like just a rat one night a rabbit hole of YouTube and Wikipedia, <laughs> and um, so like I had some, yes, yeah, so which we, we all do, do. Um, <laughs> and not that I like going to Wikipedia for my information, but sometimes you just have to. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I love. I I don't think anyone could have played Belfort. You know, besides, you know, they did do that movie once before. You know, they did Boiler Room, which which was which mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of surprising to me that a lot of people don't know that. You know what I mean? That that it's the same movie. Um. And, but I uh, I don't know. I just personally love that film. I have like a near and dear personal affection to that film um that movie makes me laugh that movie makes me angry that movie makes me just a range of emotions from that movie and um i'm just a sucker for a good comedy 
you know, I'm a, a good comedy with star power acting. I'll be honest, that movie is very, very hard for me because I think it had a lot of potential, but it was just, I, I, I really believe it's maybe the most disappointing Scorsese film of all of them. Uh, maybe the only thing that can compare, the, the color of money, I think, is disappointing. But The Wolf of Wall Street was such a big letdown. And the thing is, it has, I think you're right with Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill's amazing in it. And it has a lot of, like, great scenes. You know, Matthew McConaughey at the, uh, at the, the, the lunch table. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's been mocked so many times. DiCaprio with the, I ain't going nowhere. Like, that's a great part. Like, there's some really good parts. But to me, it's just, it's that I equate to a comic who's like a good comic, but says like, he just curses a lot. He says like, fuck too many times. And it's like, yo, you're just cursing just to curse. Like, you're throwing it in there. Like, or you're saying a dick joke just to say it. Like, and I felt like it was just excess, excess, excess. Excess, excess sex, excess extravagance, excess profanity, excess drugs, and that you don't need. You didn't need that to get to the heart of the film, and that's what disappointed me. With so, that one. if I could categorize that movie as anything, it's like my guilty pleasure film. You know what I mean? Like I know gotcha. it's not a cinematic masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but I am known to like bad movies. <laughs> and and that's like the yes, best yeah. example of one because it could have been so much greater and I'm kind of I sometimes fall into like yeah like like a lot of old comedians would say you broke the fuck button um mm-hmm. but like was it necessary for him you know what I mean like to really like because of his like exuberant and just insane lifestyle you know so like I kind of fall into that but like my favorite part by far of the movie is the actual very few and far between but subtle comedy in the movie. You know what I mean? A lot of it's like real for sure. Face, but like my favorite scene in the entire movie is when he when uh, Rob Reiner brings in the credit card bill and, and he's like he mm-hmm. was like ten thousand dollars in sides. What do they cure cancer? And Jonah Hill's like, yeah, actually, besides they did cure cancer. And like it's just it, it it was just delivered incredibly, and and like he's just trying to get him riled up. Like it's I don't know I I love that scene so much, and like some of the actors that they picked for that movie. Like when's the last time you seen Ethan Suplee before that? The Butterfly Effect. I, yeah, I'm like I don't know in in the mall in Mallrats looking at a sailboat that he couldn't see. I like I, I it escaped me. You know what I mean? What he was like, especially being utilized kind of to like a heavy degree. You know what I mean? He was in the movie a lot. Um, and like along with mm-hmm. other people, like a lot of people you haven't really necessarily seen before. So like I kind of I appreciate the daringness of the film, but they also kept it real safe with the profanity. You know what I mean? That was a way to make more or less mindless people like the movie, um, in my opinion. But it's just like a guilty pleasure film. I love it. I couldn't do a Scorsese list without talking about it. Um, just because I, I, I just revisit it so often. And I love um, 
the stock market and stuff like that. So it's just, it's like more like a passion thing for me to talk about when it comes to that movie. Like there's a few films that fall under that category where like just out of sure love of like the topic and like some of the scenes I could talk about all day. That's one of them for me. Let me ask you. um... Okay. I remember what I will say this, right? My favorite scene in that movie is with and my probably my favorite character outside of uh Jordan, you know, I'm not Jordan, um what's his name? Joe Donnie, Jonah Hill's yeah. character, Donnie, is I like yes, Brad. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the best part of the movie to me, that scene where they're at the restaurant and he's like, Sell me this yeah. Yo, sell me this pen. And he takes he's eating he's real cocky about it, but I love it. He takes the pen. He goes, write your name for me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, there you go. Supply you and demand. And then I do. Yeah. Right. And at the end, when after, you know, Leo, Jordan Belfort does his time in jail and he's talking, leading that seminar and he's like, sell me this uh-huh. pen. I like that. Like that. Cause that's my favorite scene before. And, and that stuck with me. I'm glad that they did that. That's one thing I will give because, and you saw how all those guys were, you know, with their MBAs and business guys, and they're going on and on about it. But this other dude from the street, he knew how to sell like the right way, get to the yeah, heart of it. I do. That was that is something so that, I like like, that I, part. I haven't really considered. Like that's a really good like full circle in the movie, almost like to the effect of like a South Park full circle. You know what I mean? Um, because yeah. like I love like because like everyone knows like that South Park has created the model to do things three sixty. Um, that like right. how it is cool how they bring that all the way around and that, that's a very interesting point that I never really considered and yeah he is a really good character just like his even his other scene when he's in the backyard selling the lewds to the kids <laughs> and he's, he's yeah, like where's yeah. your sister and like, she doesn't want to talk to you no more man <laughs> <laughs> it's a great it's so I I do like it's it's weird there's there's certain scenes but um. No, I think, uh, and I said mine earlier was King of Comedy. That was tough. I put that at number six because I think there's two. If you look at Joker, um, it's to me, it's Taxi Driver meets the King of Comedy. Like they and they they made a baby. It was Joker, honestly. Like, yeah. Um, I I I like King of Comedy. Honestly, one of the great things I like about it is. I'm someone who grew up watching a lot of like Martin and Lewis, you know, with Jerry yeah. Lewis stuff and his Jerry Lewis telethon every year. And he's always playing that kid, you know, <laughs> all goof- and it's yeah, funny yeah, yeah. I, you know, back in the day. I like those clips, but seeing him play like just a regular straight up guy, it's almost like mind blowing. Like to see Jerry Lewis just as like, just a dude. Like it's, it kind of like always still blows me away. Like, and like that, Marty Scorsese got that out of him. Like you know, like like he's not being a yuck yuck. He's just being like this Hollywood snob, late night host. Um, you know, De Niro as Rupert Pupkin. I also am a big Entourage fan, and that's Vincent Chase's you know name that he uses. Yeah, Rupert that is Pupkin, a cool little so. homage. Oh, yeah. So uh, 
you know, so to let you know, I also do love Entourage. Still hate Mark Wahlberg, but love It's Entourage. like having to watch so. Mark Wahlberg without actually having to watch Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> this is why I can watch it. Yeah, I'm like, this is why I can watch this. Like, if Marky Mark is the main character, I, I think I can stomach it nowhere near. But because of that, I like it. Um, it's, it's just, I really like the mental health. Which maybe you got me thinking that, you know, Scorsese really hits mental health in a way that, like, who else does as a director? But, like, the mental health with uh, Rupert Pupkin and the struggling. I always love, you know, we talked about uh, you and I, the love of boxing. So I'm biased because I love stand-up and stand-up comics and the battles they go through and what makes a great comic. I can talk about that, you know. Any, any day of the week, all day, just like who's your favorite comic, why, and why you connect with them. So anytime you do something on a comedian and struggling or just comedian in general, I'm hooked. So to show Rupert Pupkin as this struggling comic and trying to get on, you know, um, Jerry Langford's yeah. late night show, which is a representation of Johnny Carson. And, you know, back then Johnny Carson made a lot of comedians and it just kind of, uh, it fit. And Sandra Bernhardt, who I'm not a big fan of, but I thought was really good. Yeah, um, a, a really good quote from, you know, as one of my favorite people on the planet, Joe Rogan, is that trauma makes a comic. Overcoming it makes a comedian. Well, yeah, really awesome quote. You know, because you have awesome like quote. certain people that that battled with it that like we never got to see the full extent of their career, which I think like the shining example is Hepburn. You know what I mean? Uh, um, like he would have yeah. been like he is considered one of the greats, but like imagine um, and I'm trying to think someone else that's kind of escaping me. His name is escaping me right now, and I know it's like one of Joe Rogan's biggest influences. But um, you know what I mean? Him or. Um, uh, Man on the Moon. What's uh, what? Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, or, or you know, Bill Hicks. There we go. Uh, Bill Hicks. You know what I mean? He's yeah. one of the greats that we didn't get to see because they did not over. Well, we did. Yeah. We, we did see Bill Hicks when Dennis Leary stole his act. Ooh. So that's how we saw Ooh, Bill Hicks throwing shots. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I love shots, Dennis Leary, baby. but I love because I love Rescue Me, but. But yes, I love as, as, as far well. as like, um, uh, what's the name of his special? Uh, something um, cure for cancer um, is I can't believe I just mm-hmm. pulled that out of nowhere. Um, like it's it's just Bill Hicks through and through, you yeah. know, turned up to a whole new Irish Catholic level. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty so much. I I agree. I have to agree with you, but. You know, Steve, we're uh, we have the the anchor app always cuts us as previous episodes. People who listen know at two hours it'll cut us off. So we're at an hour and fifty. So I'll uh, I'll say, man, this was as much as it's been a year. It was well worth the wait because this was so much fun, man. I'm, I'm and I hope Absolutely. you want to come back on and do it because I, I had a lot of fun doing this, man. And um, we we've kind of within this episode. I think we've talked about like ten future episodes we can do, like, like, like you know. So it's 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 awesome. Yeah, nothing. I love nothing did. more than having to cut myself off 
because I will ruin a future episode that we could do. You know what I mean? Like I could, I could do a whole episode yeah. with you on Oscar snubs or do it on Kevin Smith or do it on art house films or just right. anything. You know what I mean? And I tried my best to avoid saying oh, yeah. anything about Quentin Tarantino. So <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I don't just go like completely rabbit hole about Tarantino because you know my love for Tarantino. <laughs> Oh, I do. I do. I do. That, that's how we started talking here. So um, it's, it's, it's been awesome. I thank you for coming on, and I, I can't wait. I'm kind of glad, in a way, Anchor cuts, because I can go on for days. So I'm glad it cuts off at two hours, because I would, I, I would make Joe Rogan look like nothing. I'd be having five-hour podcasts. So it's, it's a blessing, you know, in disguise that it does. Because especially with you, we, we'd be going, you know, we, we'd have – you know, Ken Burns would be <laughs> yeah. like nothing, <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we'd yeah. kill it. So, but we got, we got to talk in the future about what these episodes we're going to do, man. And we need to come back on because uh, we, we have a lot yeah, we I can really it, talk man. about. It was, this, is, this is a really good experience and I can't wait to come do it again. No. So for my special guest, Steve Callahan, 